spoken lately. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I haven't dreamed of that moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I haven't dreamed of waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass more years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins, where it all came from, since I held up that cape for the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Ambien's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional material. Spoken Hi, it's Ambien from Spoken Label. Thank you today for streaming or downloading another episode of Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up on beginning of the 2016 and as of speaking has currently nearly 300 sessions. The full archive is available on Spoken Label full stop bandcamp.com although it is available for free for stream and download if you wish i am always grateful for any sort of kind of donation to enable to me to keep the running costs this podcast going and enjoy take care bye-bye spoken label hi guys and the spoken label i'm knackered i've had one of those days today it's a thursday night and it's gone wrong today in my life outside creativity but it happens Cheer up, I've got a friend with me today now i met this lady originally through zoom a couple of months ago and I'll let her give her details away in a minute, but we did um, a kind of preview podcast with her because she had, actually, she had a play on, I think, a peck and fringe, if my memory's correct, called Play Fight. So, Christina, obviously, you're back with us today to give us a full session, so I can ask you lots of hard-hitting and grilling questions. Yeah, <laughs> so, you've got to it. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, people obviously that might have heard, see, heard your previous podcast. Mm-hmm. If they didn't, they should be ashamed of themselves, obviously. Tell us about yourself, first of all, this time. We're going to cover more ground this time, definitely. Okay. Yeah, so I'm I'm Christina. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm from London, and I'm a writer, playwright. Um, I write, I'm writing a book as well. Um, And now I'm a screenwriter, which we'll get into. (laughs) Yeah, now, this is perks of it today, because I kind of told Christina off my report, I've had a rotten day and I was late home. I've not had a chance to do the research I normally do. I did spot something online that caught my eye and I thought, oh, this looks interesting. But anyway, Christina, obviously, tell us about where all your creativity came from originally. We'll start that then, okay? Start that way. Um, so I've always loved writing and I've always had, I, I think it's just the imagination. Um, hmm. I, For as long as I can remember, I've always made up my own stories or my own versions of hmm. stories. So I would dress up as uh, Snow White and all these Disney princesses. And, and for me, I, I didn't really need to be sort of, oh, it has to be look like this or look like me or that kind of thing. I was, as far as I was concerned, um, it was it's pretend, it's fantasy. So I would, I could embody a role and I could, you know, play this character. And But I would make up my own versions. If I didn't like something, I would then just do my own thing. So I think it was just that imagination that really got the ball rolling. Um, and then as I got older, I liked to just, to get it out, just to write mm. it and get it all out there. For me personally and um, privately, I didn't really share it much with the world. That's quite scary um, until I started writing fan fiction. And that is, that Ooh. is something <laughs> I, okay. I, 
Yeah. Dish, encourage... dish to do then. Dish to do then. What was your what was your fan fiction on them? My very first bits of fan fiction was probably um is it is a TV show still running at, at the moment in America. It's called Blue Bloods. Uh, it's got mm. Tom Selleck in it. It's oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love. I've never seen it, but I do know. I do, I do know what he means. So Tom Selleck, yeah, oh, definitely. Oh, brilliant. Um, he's uh, so it was when it first came out. So it was like going back kind of like 10, 11 years when I was first at uni. Um, I just I don't know why I, I was really attached to the the character, the family unit of the police drama because it's something that you, police dramas are just being done, done and done. And this was something that was different. So I really liked the, the familial dynamic, and I kind of just toyed around with it and wrote my own stories and put them on fan fiction. And suddenly I used to get requests and people go, I love this, it's so great. And that kind of gave me a lot of confidence because I that was during summer of my first year at uni. And at uni, I studied writing. So I did English literature with creative writing. I did a joint degree. And with that, we were encouraged to read our work out loud. And I, I really didn't like that in, in, in the first year because I think a lot of people did. A lot of people were just like, no, <laughs> I don't want to share my work out. But I'm really oh. grateful that, that we got pushed to do that uh, because now obviously being a playwright and sitting, watching your, literally everyone seeing your work and putting things out there, you have to, you just have to get used to that. Um, so that kind of pushed me into that world of just opening up, sharing to my classmates, only my classmates, okay, we're all in this together. It's just work over it in class. I'm not going to share it to them. And then fan fiction was like sharing it to the world. And they didn't, they didn't see my face. They didn't know who I was. It was all done and not like kind of avatar thing. But my writing was real and they seemed to like that. And then I started branching out writing down to now fan fiction. Just anything I wanted, just one shot thing. But that, but that really took off. And um, I had to repeat uh, my a module of my second year, two literature modules for the second year. So I didn't get to graduate with all my other friends um I graduated a year later which I actually looking back was really the best thing for me because in that year I didn't have any writing uh, creative writing classes because it was all literature modules and I thought I really need some I really don't want to let my momentum slip so I wrote fan fiction I just wrote and wrote as much fan fiction to keep it going and to keep the audience just kind of kept on going and I used to get feedback so much positive really? stuff. it was a, it was a bit of an ego boost which I kind of needed because when you were having to repeat a year your ego takes a bit of a hit anyway you're really worried oh. uni's a stressful time anyway so it was it was a hobby to do on the side but then um I went to final year and obviously the writing just took off and and then um and then my master did my master's which is where I fell into playwriting which I wasn't intended to but Brilliant. Yeah. Now, obviously, people were wondering, when we, that's, that's just, that's brilliant. Like, you've, given, you've led us naturally now. Yeah. So, obviously, where we touched base on a couple of months ago, originally, where you when you had a play on at Peckham Fringe, didn't you? On, I know I said girl fight then, but no, it is girl fight. You know, play <laughs> fight, play fight. <laughs> Stupid moment. Yeah, but play fight. Now, obviously, tell us, obviously, about your experience at Peckham Fringe. So, I know when we spoke a couple of months ago, you were quite, I think excited but nervous about it as well, weren't you as well? So, yeah, I actually just touching base on that. When we spoke um, about Peck and Fringe, I remember I kind of name dropped the the cast, but um, the actor who played TJ literally, as soon as our, my episode aired, he had to pull out for personal oh, reasons. Oh no! So we we, <laughs> had, we spent that week. Um, it was really really stressful for, for everyone because we didn't have a TJ and we were about I think two weeks till opening I think oh my or god 
Um, and we were we were really thinking what to do. And then we had someone else, they pulled out and it was just one of those things. You just, it, that's showbiz type uh, attitude. But uh, but the production, the producers, um, Shrina, the director, Leon, and all the rest of the cast, Josh and Susie, we all pulled together and tried to support each other through it. Um, but we found a TJ, um, his name's Eddie. And he, I, I came into rehearsals and he was there and he just learned everything so quickly. Um, and on the opening, it was the day before my birthday and we were all just sat there and he just went on there without the script first time and he just did it and he was so good and it was yeah it was just like a relief um but I, I didn't have any doubts I knew he could do it because he was in rehearsals he was just very, very professional yeah I think you find sometimes sometimes with that and I've, I've known this happen people before and other plays that have happened where something goes wrong like I said when you've got a couple to get somebody in and if they're good enough they will just like that, won't they? Yeah. I know it's been me. It's been me. It took me six months, six months to learn that block of text like that because I've got really bad memory nowadays. But no, brilliant with them. So now, how's it? Was it a really good reaction? Reaction by the audience was it? Yeah, I I noticed that um, all audiences are, are different, and our, we opened in Deptford. And this is Peckham and it's all mm. South London, but they're different postcodes and it's a thing. So, but um, it was during the, the bank holiday weekend. So everyone was sort of hyped up when fever anyway, but for them to come and see this play, which isn't very, um, it's quite hard hitting. Um, but they, but yeah, they had a great response to it um, from what I can tell. Oh, and we got some really good reviews as well. Brilliant, and brilliant, brilliant. No, I found, I found, I, yeah, I found it really, um, uplifting with that um because one of them said that I nailed the South London vernacular which I spent a lot of time learning <laughs> right oh um, that makes that makes life so much easier when you get told that oh well done <laughs> yeah it was because this is something that's quite different to stuff that I normally write in terms of just um the way that they talk because it's, it's a different world but in order to write it I had to absorb myself into that world um yeah, and writing. Really? So, yeah. No, well done, well done in that one. So I'm glad, I'm glad it, glad it went well for you. Because, like I've said, people wondering I've spoken late blogs that with us living two hundred miles away, there's no way I was going to get down to watch it. It was, but I was thinking of you know, that weekend, thinking, I hope it goes well for you. When we catch up a couple months time, you tell me about it then. So, well, when I actually first met Eddie, he said, "Oh yeah, I, I looked you up on on YouTube and I saw your podcast. You were talking to a gentleman on on Zoom, and it was it was this it was the podcast." Oh, so, <laughs> Yeah, that's an interesting like connection. Yeah, when I he hadn't seen me in person, and it was yeah, I I kind of turn up to rehearsals just to see how things are going. And oh, which show just shows you that everyone's watching his podcast. I'm gonna I am with Christine's permission. I'm gonna release a video version to YouTube anyway. It shows you podcasts do get round. Yeah, (laughs) I'm I'm blushing now. I know black and white. Anyway, okay. Now, I'll show you how well I've structured this today. I don't actually know now. I know Christina's got news for us, obviously, beyond the play. So, Christina, I know you've wanted, you've gone to TV script writing since, haven't you? And I'm there's sure something so, yeah. gone. There's something gone on in, in New York. So, give us the news. Well, um, over the summer, I, I turned a, a play of mine into a short film script. And I sent it in to some festivals and it won in New York and in Rome Ooh. and in short and in Florence as well. 
and um, been selected and finalisted in Paris. And I got to go to the Paris Arts wow. Movement Awards, walk a red carpet, literally just a month ago, which was oh. insane. Um, God, well done. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, so it was the ones in New York, they were um, New York International Film Awards. And I won best short script and best first time screenwriter. And then I won, and then I got two um, Skyline trophies with that. Um, if you if you go on my Instagram, <laughs> you'll see all of that. Oh um, yeah, you can definitely see that. Oh, they, they look mega. They do completely well done. And then there's um there's another other awards called the Honoros Awards, which are also based in New York. And I won in the same categories for those as well. So I got I won twice in both of them. And just to win to win one is incredible, but um. Yeah, to win two and get two trophies. I, I honestly, I pick them up every day. My mum gets really wound up with that. So I pick them up, I hold them just to remind myself that it's uh, it's real, um, which I think, I yeah, it's just every writer's Brilliant. Oh, fantastic. Now, obviously, uh, there's two ways we can go about this, obviously. But I want to know people, I think it's best here, we tell people what this actual play or now screenplay is about, first of all. Okay, good. I love talking about it. <laughs> it's called... Um, <laughs> It's called Face to Face. And I can't remember if I mentioned this in the last podcast or not, but I'll just tell the story again. Um, it All was saying, a... shit for brains, tell us again anyway. Right? Okay. <laughs> so uh, this was a stage play. And originally I wrote it as a small scene, which is now I've kind of gone back to. Um, it was a, an idea I had about a woman who meets her father's killer in prison before he's about to be released. Mm. So it was meant to be a 20 minute scene, just the two of them face to face and I wrote this about six years ago just me in my room and I sent it off to scratch nights and it wasn't getting anywhere until one night um someone picked uh, this company called the hidden theater they were having a scratch night and they I was one of four selected so we had they had a, an event at this pub theater it was, a, it was a theater in the back of a pub called the water rats in King's Cross which is Great. I mean, if you a Londoner, you'll know all about pub theatres <laughs> or any anywhere in the UK. I'm sure they have like pub theatres thing. Um, and then the director from that really enjoyed it. And the feedback I got from that was so positive. They loved it. They thought it was really gripping. And that for me was so good. Thank God. It was, it was quite nerve wracking standing up. I had to stand up on stage and they were just like <laughs> talking to me. Um, but they said that they wanted it to be longer. So I'm thinking, okay, interesting. How can I expand this? So the director of that, Rachel, she um had a she was work with working with a company, and she said, um yeah, if you want to expand it, we can put this on. Um, and that was called Hidden Views Theatre. And I basically wrote this two hander, just the two of them, and um it it was on at the Brighton Fringe Festival. It closed the Brighton Fringe Festival and then opened the Camden Fringe Festival in 2018. Um, but for some reason, I don't know, I just kind of felt that it wasn't, oh yeah, and we performed at a law firm as well, like latest law firm, it was, that was, that was just, that was crazy. Um, I don't know, yeah, creatively, I kind of just felt like, um, it could be done a bit somewhere else. Um, and a, a friend of mine who's also director said, um, we can expand the cast and we can do so much things. So then I, I worked with him for a few years and nothing, we, we had a, rehearsed reading stage reading but nothing really came of it and I kind of thought well it's been four years now and I know the pandemic wow. kind of put a kibosh in it but I kind of just thought well I want to see this I want to see it because I don't want to just leave it 
Um, this has been going on for so much time. But then I kind of thought, I want I want to dabble in film. <laughs> um, so then I I kind of sent rewrote wrote the first scene, just the first scene with the two of them in prison, and I sent it off to another scratch night called uh, Scriptwriters and Co. And I actually know them. They're based in Bath. And I was a finalist in their festival for another play I wrote for The Beach House, which was, uh, again, like, early on in the year. So I knew them. So I, I submitted to their um, scratch night and they had a theme for that one in the summer. It was called, or spring, spring scratch night. And it was called games or competition, competition. That was it, competition. So I kind of thought, well, face-to-face is kind of a competition because it's a competition between two people trying to um, figure out whose life is worse. <laughs> because of what happened and I, I just sent it in and then I got I got fine finalists basically I got um sent in to the scratch night I basically they showed I bow, me. I bow to you rather <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was done online so it was all of um all the people we all did it online and they had the actors read them out and the feedback from that was so good it was so positive and I kind of thought okay well something is right with this it's not completely you know even though nothing's happened in four years, mm. something is, yeah, I've got, so I kind of got more confidence in that. And then to my big surprise, they had a best of script, um, sort of, they would announce the best in the scratch night and um, they awarded it to me. And I just, I was so shocked at that because there were so many other amazing scripts at that scratch night that I thought was, they were so much better than mine. They were. And um, they, the prize I got for that was a copy of Final Draft. So everyone, any writer knows Final Draft is the software to use. Oh, yeah. Right. Well done, well done. Um, so when I went to, um, yeah, I, I went on a family holiday to Cornwall and I kind of just thought, um, I'm going to give this a go. So I wrote it on that, using that software that I won. The reason why I said, I told the story oh. about that scratch is because I used that software that I won for that script. Brilliant, brilliant, well done. Short script and then um ended up thinking I'm thinking okay let me just see I want to I'm gonna test it internationally and yeah it's the summer it's just kind of taken off um and it's won some awards in London as well oh, absolutely well done I am seriously I'm so made up for you Christina now obviously I've studied basic playwriting and script writing myself with most at uni and I've I made doing my own but got a half of my own play done another day but but um I know the difference between the way those scripts are quite formatted and set out. So did I love I don't want to go too technical, but how did you find transferring it from a play into a into a TV film script for yourself? Um, I found it really easy um, because I kind of just for me, uh, theatre when I visualise it, it's a, a theatre and you can get so much more just talking. But here I was able to um, explore what I wanted people to see. Um, and it, I tweaked the story slightly so um, he, she doesn't go to see him in prison. She actually goes to see him before he's dying, and he's at home in his room. Ooh, so it takes place in, in one bedroom. Yeah, that is quite. That is quite. Dave took it definitely took it a different angle. That one straight away. Yeah, because I what I know of TV script and playwright people know this. I love when I go into the theatre. I love watching actors that aren't speaking to see how they're reacting and stuff in TV script or films like you've done, you're channeling exactly what people can see. Yeah. And you could you can take it a very different way sometimes, right? Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to explore as well, especially with this script, because I feel this script has got there's just so much to um get out. It's just two people having a conversation. And this is this is the thing. I think that you can really see the playwriting background in it because not really much, it doesn't 
steam jump at all. It literally stays in one room. It oh, does it? Oh, that's interesting. Straight away, because like, you say the art in TV and films is the cut from scene to scene. And it's yeah. quite, the movement's pretty fast, isn't it, normally? Because yeah. I like, say for a two-hour film, you'd end up with, what, 150 cuts, wouldn't you? Yeah. And obviously with yours, is obviously like, you've kept it quite static, and that's quite interesting, actually, that. I, I kind of also felt, uh, some of the feedback I got was, um you know, he wouldn't, she wouldn't see him in prison alone. There would be someone there. And it was easy to brush off, brush that off in a theatre play because you can plead artistic licence and say, okay, yeah, of course, yeah, license. of course. Yeah. Imagine the police was there or all that kind of stuff. Or in my original version, um, I had the audience kind of being behind the plexiglass and they, they sort of break the fourth wall and look, but you can't do that. <laughs> or you can, but it just, it's not the same. And yeah, you can't ignore them. You can't ignore the glaring obvious fact of they're going to be guards there if you set it in a prison. So then I, I took it out of there and put it in his room. And it also makes it more sense of why I should go to see him. Um, and yeah, yeah, of course. And why Brilliant. he wants to see her as well. Um, yeah. So I, I experimented with it. And in just this one scene, hopefully it works. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed, definitely. Now, obviously, um, what's happening next with, with this end? Obviously, after all these awards and stuff, and your franticness in the summer, because you've covered three different countries and various awards ceremonies, and haven't you? So, so what's yeah. going on next? So what's going on next with them? Um, well, the goal, the end goal is to get it made, uh, get it made and, and see it, and then see what it's, how it does as a film. Yeah. Cool, I'm, cool. I've got sort of, I'm in talks with someone, so I, I really hope that it goes to plan. And I, I, I'll make it happen. <laughs> if it doesn't, I'll, I'll pursue it because I, I, I'm coming all fired up, especially after the summer. It's like you can't yeah. not do anything with it now. It's like the pressure's on. So I oh, like. Oh, you, you can feel your enthusiasm with it straight away. And what I know of you, Christina, as a person, you're that sort of person. You're very single-minded. I see it straight away, like um, all the other saying, like a dog with a bone. If you give you half a yeah. sniff of a bone, you'll keep pulling at it till you get what you want. No, brilliant. Good luck. Keep it in film day. You'll be definitely so. Be great to have a film director on here. Definitely straight after the film comes out with that one. So, so obviously, start wrapping up this part of it now. So, I want to you to read a monograph. Might be monograph this second half. I know your podcast has been a bit quieter recently as well, and obviously, yeah. I know you're hoping to get that back and back and going again soon, aren't you as well? Yeah, for sure. I think um, I also want to do more um, independent episodes. Um, so mm. I I started off. I really I started off in lockdown, so it was just easier for me to keep a track on it. Obviously, because we weren't doing anything, and um, I, I enjoyed doing the research of stories like fairy tales and urban legends and I and history. And then I would just it would just be me telling the story, and I really enjoyed that. But then um, it took off a lot, and I was getting a lot of interview requests. So it was that, and then then. I can't even remember the last single episode I did. So I, I want to kind of get back to that. I have loads planned. And um, I just, I didn't end up doing it. But yeah, hopefully I can get back. Well, well fingers crossed. I think it's always fine that when you've had the summer you've had there, it's like your mind's can't focus on that sort of thing like that. It's, I, in my head, it'd be like this exploding after all that. So I can yeah. imagine it'd be an absolute nightmare, definitely. Do you, do you have any ideas what writing-wise you're going to do, going to do next time to wrap up with? Any ideas? What's else you're working on? Um, yeah. Um, so obviously, it just kind of the screen. I testing. I tested the screen thing, and it seems to be going quite well. So I was sort of um, dropping theatre completely. I am still working in that, but it's kind of like moving a little bit away from that and just seeing 
what else is out there in film and TV um, and writing uh, a book as well. So, and a novella, so. Fingers crossed. Any hints about the novel or novella you want to give? Um, yes, the novella is actually called Dear Datchet and it's a period drama <laughs> and it's actually told through um, letters between uh, a young woman whose father dies and then the title and estate goes to someone else and she starts off by writing a letter and refuses to call him by his name so you don't actually know his name is that the title is Datchet the Earl of Datchet and so oh, cool. she starts that off and it just and it turns into a thing between them and as she becomes more humble he comes from humble origins starts to get a bit more corrupt and you can kind of see tell it I'm I kind of want to I, I want to tell the story through letters well, that's, that's such an interesting experiment. Straight away, uh, straight away, that that would be a good, yeah, be a good challenge. I definitely could look away, so keeps informed. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, okay, we better wrap up this part because Jane, I, now, I know you're on all social medias, so I'll let you tell people where they can find you. Um, yes, yeah, so my Twitter is at Chrissy A underscore ninety two, and my Instagram is xchristina dot writer. Brilliant. So you've also got your own website as well, haven't you? Yes, it's chrissysnotebook.com. I'm going to update it because it needs updating because, uh, yeah, it's been a, an explosive summer. So. Oh, completely. I wasn't, wasn't, it's always good for me to do a sort of podcast, definitely. I always find this, you, you go to speak to something like Christine has completely left me amazed and I'm dead happy for a result with this. So that's why you find it as well. It can just go, just goes, just goes crazy, doesn't it? Sometimes you least expect it. So, but good luck with it, definitely. So, keep it informed. If the film gets made, Invite us to the premiere. We'll be down I, there. I will. <laughs> Special coverage on the red oh, carpet. Oh, yeah. Pod, podcast covering. You know, you did get me on the carpet. I know what happened straight away. I'll trip up. I'll trip up and take out Brad Pitt probably in my look. Who's <laughs> in the starving role in your film? <laughs> but anyway, good luck with it and keep us informed. So, right, we'll take a quick break now and we'll get Christine's reading a bit of a monologue for us in the second half. See you all in two shakes of the dust. Spoken there. Hi guys, part two, and the end. Wonderful Christina. Christina's now going to do a bit of a monologue from her play. So I'm going to mute myself and let Christina go for it. Over to you, my friend. Thank you, Andy. Um, so this monologue is some uh, a monologue I wrote while we were workshopping play fight. Um, unfortunately, it didn't make it into the play, but <laughs> I'd like to share it all with you because this was one of the very, very first seeds of the play that we now have. Sunday mornings used to be quiet. Usually I spend it at home, just sitting in my front room, watching TV and listening to my neighbours leave and then return from church. I don't know them, not personally. I nod and wave every now and then, but we're not on a first name basis. They're a family of four. He works in the city somewhere and she stays at home, doting on her two kids. The little girl is up five, always in pigtails, skipping off to school, her chirpy laugh carries all the way up the street. She's a sweet little thing. Their older son is different. He's about 15, 16 maybe. He used to be like his sister, laughing, smiling, always walking his mother to the front door with an arm slung protectively over her. It made my heart clench. Mothers and their sons. They seem to live separate lives, but Sunday mornings, 9am, like clockwork, they left the house marching down the street in their smart suits or pretty dresses, banded together. But something changed. 
Whether it was overnight or over a period of time, I couldn't tell you, but living alone, you notice the smallest of noises, especially when your living room is probably wall to wall with theirs. Dulcet tones mixed with muffled screeching, an occasional sentence. Why are you doing this to your mother? Look at her. Someone shouts, I think it's the boy. I didn't do anything. You never believe me, just messing around. A sob, a soft mumble, and then the dulcet tones grows deeper and louder until it crescendos into a sharp thump. Someone had been struck. Who? The mother, the boy, the father? That sweet little girl, I'm sure of it. She starts sobbing, more muffled yelling. Damn these walls. A door slam. Peeking from my window, I see the son flipping a hood over his head, shoving his hands into his pockets as he strides furiously down the street. I went to bed at about 2 a.m. that night. He never returned before then. I would have heard. Sunday mornings, they went about their business, but he wasn't with them. Four became three. About two months later, after they'd left, I set about my usual routine of doing nothing. I began make, making myself a cup of tea, just for the hell of it, when all of a sudden, thump, thump, thump. I drop the teacup. It shatters at my feet as the front door shakes, rattling off the hinges. There's a tall, dark silhouette pressed against the frosted glass. A hand bangs on the window, wiping a smear of red paint. No, that's not paint. That's... Good God, is that blood? Help me, a rasping voice desperately calls through the door. Help me, please. I'm, I'm hurt. I've never felt fear before. Not properly. Not until this very moment. Part of me wants to open the door, drag the person inside and call the police. But another smaller, cowardly part of me wants to crawl into my room and hide. I have nothing to do with this. This isn't my business. I shouldn't be getting involved. What if it's a trap? The silhouette drags himself away from my door. I run upstairs to the upstairs window where I have a clear view of the street. It's a young man, a boy. He staggers forward, falling to his knees in the middle of the road. I squint a little. Is that? It's the boy from next door. The one who should be at church with his family, not lying in the road bleeding to death. To death? Why can't I move? I yearn to run into the road, gather the boy into my arms and cradle him until his mother arrived, but I can't. A car slows down, pulling over. The driver, a young woman, rushes out towards the boy and begins checking him over. She begins doing all the things I couldn't do. The people flock towards them. I can't see anymore. They're whipping out their phones, but they're not calling the police. They're taking pictures of the dying boy. Are they any worse than me? I see the three most important people before the rest of the crowd does. First, the little girl tears across the road, her pink dress flapping behind her. The woman, her mother, his mother, pulls her away, cutting into the tight circle. They part for her like the Red Sea. The woman drops to her knees beside the boy. She throws her head back and screams. Like part of her body, her soul has been torn from her. Because it has. It's a scream that shatters through my own heart and another feeling gnaws away at me. Guilt. Mothers and sons. The father is surprisingly calm. He gathers the remnants of his family and helps them to the house. I wince as I hear the door slam and the muffled voices. I don't dare press my ear against the wall. I've lost that right. The crowd begins to disperse, shaking their heads, wiping their eyes, exchanging gossip. They're too wrapped up in their own world to notice the red smear against my window pane. I wait until nightfall, and then I carefully wipe it off. No matter how loud I turn up the TV or let the taps run that extra bit longer, I can't seem to drown out that sound of her, 
the little girl who can't understand why, why this happened. And I had just wiped her brother's blood off my front door like it was a bit of leftover jam at the breakfast table. I'm disgusted with myself. I am. It didn't surprise me when they left. One evening, they traipsed out of their house with the rest of their lives crammed into a small van. This is the last time I'll watch them leave. Four and now three. I hope their new neighbours treat them kinder than we ever did. Their replacements aren't church-going people. Sunday mornings are quiet again. Fantastic. Absolute tremendous stuff like Christina. <laughs> like it, how did that feel of some you looking back at that now to yourself? Obviously, the nap didn't make the play. So what I've seen in the play, that's quite an, that's quite a dramatic scene, that really. Yeah. Um, so initially our workshops was um I was just asked to write scenes. No gender, no characters, just scenes A and B. And a lot of the scenes I wrote did make it into the play. They became characters, but this one didn't because it was from an outsider's perspective. And um, when I was writing the workshops, I wanted just one outsider's perspective and it was a monologue and it was it was this one, but the producer, Sharina said that it moved her to tears. And- um, well, It we really just, just did that to me nearly then as well, wow. <laughs> I, I was moved writing it as well. I just kind of felt like how we are watching things, um, a story, it was, it's meant to be a story about the family and we play fight kind of sees it inside the family or inside these um kids but this is from an outsider's perspective of the kids and um yeah it's a shame it, it didn't make it in but um it, the reason why is because it it's from an outsider's perspective and it helped though it helped a lot with them getting the characterizations going yeah. and crafting a, those characters that kind of see yeah, yeah, of course. I can it straight away with it. It's like it's that sort of piece where sometimes you need something like that. It's like to say, don't you like it? When you look at a DVD extra, don't you? Some films, the scenes that have been cut, yeah. they were really good by themselves. They don't always quite fit into the film stand. And that was an excellent, excellent yeah. piece of it. So good luck, Christina, with the film script. And obviously, <laughs> like I said, people, keep an eye on that. Who knows what's going to happen next day? I'm prepared to put money on Brad Pitt gets the lead role in your film, to honest you. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> that would be great. Now, I've got to ask you a serious, or less seriously before we wrap up today. Dream casting. If you could have anybody in your little, this little script, who would you have? In in this one? Yeah. Oh, in your, well, in your film, I... in a potential film, yeah. Oh, in a potential film? Yeah. Or, or you, you, yeah. Your TV um, script or film script, yeah. Any TV script? Oh gosh, I would, I would love to have Jodie Comer in something. Oh yeah, and she just disappears into a role. Um, and I'd love to work with her. That'd be great. Right, yeah. well, better, we better find Jodie's agent and ask for for this podcast over to her. <laughs> no, seriously, Christina. Good luck with it. Keep in touch. Thank you. Let me know if anything happens to this, because if it ends up coming on to TV or film, I would love to get you on again. <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> well, if I can say I'm responsible for getting an actor onto your play <laughs> in Peckham Fringe, Jodie Comer, please get in touch with her. Definitely, hint, hint. <laughs> <laughs> but, Christina, hang around anyway. I do need to chat to your microphone anyway, as always. So, it's been a pleasure today. been grateful. Thank you. Take care, guys and girls. This is Andy N and Christina signing out. See you all soon. Spoken, mate.